man, I love football. I, I just, I love football. But what I love the most about football are the things that make football unique. The things that make football so very American. And in this particular case, so very Pittsburgh. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network coming to you from our brand new constructed live studios in the Strip District. Steelers beat the Bengals 36-10. to The Steelers are 9-0. and The Steelers are flying high. The Bengals are the Bengals. There's not that much to dissect from this game as a game. There's lots to look at from the individual facet standpoint. I'll be doing some of that later in the show. But there's one, one part of this that I would just love to magnify for you. That's specifically Steelers versus Bengals in this game. And that is this. Joe Burrow came to Pittsburgh, and the team that plays in Pittsburgh thought it was important to send a message to Burrow for seasons to come about what life will be like for him when he faces the Steelers, especially when he faces them in Pittsburgh. If that sounds like over-the-top narrative whatever... I can assure you it is not, and I have the T.J. Watt audio to prove it. Yeah, I think it's very important to um, welcome quarterbacks in the AFC North the appropriate way. And um, scoring points like that and uh, holding the offense to the way we did, uh, we try to get to, to the best of our ability. Uh, we know Joe Burrow is uh, their franchise quarterback, and we're just trying to let him know what he can expect when he comes in Pittsburgh. Just awesome, right? I mean, if you really break it down, maybe one of the first thoughts that should cross your mind is, wow, TJ thinks he's going to be here for a very long time. That's a good thing. But it's not even that simple. Joe Hayden also was asked about this, about the importance of sending this signal to Burrow about future encounters. And Hayden was just as pumped about it, said, oh, yeah, man, a thousand times over. We're totally into that. What you have to understand about this is this was not, genuinely not, the Steelers trying to do something to Burrow to rattle him for the next time they meet in a month in Cincinnati. It wasn't. They're going to win that game. They're going to do the same thing to Burrow they did in this game. That's not the interesting part, and that's not their focus. I've interviewed players on this defense for years. And when I say this defense, I'm referring to the franchise. I'm not referring to the guys that are taking the field right now. And I can tell you that when they talk about things like this, when Brett Kiesel says, I learned everything that I've learned about being part of the Steelers' defense from Aaron Smith. Or someone else will say, I've learned it from James Ferrier. And then 
Aaron Smith or James Ferrier will throw it back to a Levon Kirkland or players that came before them. And they feel like they pass it on. They talk about it with their charity work. The defensive line in particular, Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, they're talking openly about carrying on the good work that was done by Casey Hampton, uh, by Kiesel, by Smith, by other guys uh, who've been there before them. They see it as a continuation. They see it as extended family. Sometimes when you say stuff like that, it sounds hokey. It sounds like, oh, come on, man, seriously? I'll bet all 32 teams are like, they're not. They're not. It's not something that you hear about from other people. The previous Cincinnati quote-unquote franchise quarterback, Andy Dalton actually comes to mind. One of these defensive players that I just mentioned to you, and I'm not going to call him out by name because the comment was not made to me uh, on the record. This was after a game that was played years ago. It was actually not a game against Cincinnati. It was in Charlotte, but we were looking ahead to a game against Cincinnati the following week. And I said, so you got Dalton next week. And this player says back to me, we will beat him every time we play him. And he wasn't talking about Cincinnati. He was talking about Andy Dalton. He went on to say that they had seen something in his eyes when he faces Pittsburgh, where he was uncomfortable. They constantly had him uncomfortable. He was never in that. I mean, Andy Dalton's gotten paid a lot of money in the NFL, and it's not by accident. He's had good games. He's had good performances. Not against Pittsburgh. Never, never, never when it mattered the most against Pittsburgh, even when the Bengals had those good teams. And they felt like that was something that came to them from the first wave of Steelers uh, defensive players who did that to Dalton, and it was passed along. So here comes Joe Burrow, and they do this to him. They shut him down. They slammed him to the ground. Nothing cheap, nothing dirty. There wasn't a single questionable hit in the group, but they went after him. It wasn't just TJ. It was Bud Dupree. It was Stefan Tuitt. They were back there a lot. They made a difference. They made the difference. They see it wasn't even the difference in the game, you know? Amazing stuff. I love football. Love football. Going to talk some more about this game when we come back. Welcome back. This is fun. This is this is good. This is something that you would want to have happen in 2020 when nothing else that's happening is good. The Steelers beat the Bengals 36 to 10 yesterday at Heinz Field. They're 9 and 0. Only undefeated team in the NFL, of course, and showing really no signs of slowing down. In fact, they're getting better. 
They're getting better week after week after week. No, it's not perfectly linear. They've had games where they've stepped back uh, in certain areas. They've had games where they've had a bad half and a good half. They've had the Dallas game where they pretty much regressed in every way possible. But from every one of those, even the win over the Cowboys, from every one of those, they took something that they needed to work on and got better at it. They teach you when you're analyzing stocks in the markets to avoid looking at the individual daily blips. Or there are some people that actually look at uh, every hour on the hour blips, second by second. They teach you to avoid that. They teach you to step back and look at broader patterns. So for the Steelers, I would look at not so much where were they in East Rutherford for the opener, because that's just the opener. There was no preseason, whatever else. But look at where the Steelers were, say, in weeks three and four and look at where they are in week nine and ask yourself if they're a better team in almost every way. To me, to my perspective, the answer is yes with one possible exception and that's the pass rush because I don't know that you can be a lot better at the pass rush than the Steelers have been consistently through all nine weeks except for Dallas. But the rest of it go right down the line, and they've been, oh, the running game. Okay. <laughs> I heard you there. I heard you. You're like, whoa, ho, ho, dude, not on the running game. Okay. The running game, I don't know that the running game has regressed so much as it's never really done anything. I mean, there have been a couple of spurts where it's looked okay, but I think that's had more to do with the opponent than anything else. The running game needs a lot of work. But other aspects of the team also have needed work, and they've gotten it. They've gotten better. Ben Roethlisberger has never gotten the credit that he deserves as a leader of this football team. If you'll remember when Ben was named offensive captain, it was like, oh, they're just giving it to him as an honorary thing or whatever because he's the quarterback and I uh, remember the various controversies about uh, when somebody else would be named team offensive MVP and, oh, it's because they hate Ben and they don't – and none of that was actually ever true. I mean, Ben's not ever made himself to be the most uh, lovable teddy bear type in the locker room setting uh, with anybody. He's just not wired that way and doing anything else would be phony. But when you talk about what leadership is, it can come with a lot of different contexts. It can mean, you know, who yells out such and such inspiring words in the huddle before that big final two-minute drive. Uh, well, of course, Ben's had a couple of those this season. It can be the anecdote of the quarterback chewing out the wide receiver for running the wrong route in practice or whatever that somehow makes its way uh, into public view. It can be that kind of thing. Here's what I see and what I hear of Ben Roethlisberger as a leader this season. 
I see someone who from the very first day of training camp came back into the fold, which is what you have to do when you've missed most of the previous season. I mean, they still save you a chair at the table, but you're still coming back into the fold and there are new players and everything else. And you have a chance to kind of reestablish your presence, but you do have to reestablish your presence. Ben comes back and instead of, uh, what's the term I'm looking for here? You know, sticking his nose in the air and being, hey, all you people, I'm Ben Roethlisberger, first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't even have to be here. Like, I'm just so far above you. Uh, you're here to basically make things work with me, and that's how it's going to be. Instead, and I'm going to jog your memory here with this, Ben was talking openly, almost peculiarly, about being nervous. Do you remember that? Nervous. He was referring to jitters. The first scrimmage that they had at Heinz Field with zero people around, zero anything around. And he was talking about being jittery over a night practice that was on a Saturday night. Then they went into the first game against the Giants over in New Jersey, and he talked about the same thing, and he just kept cutting himself down. I'm not, I'm not where I need to be. I didn't perform well enough. In the past, and I've written this, when Ben would say things like that, it came across as deeply insincere. It just did. I'm sorry. Because sometimes he would say it with a tone, uh, 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 sardonic, almost sarcastic way of expressing himself. In other words, it would be like the game where he threw the five interceptions against Jacksonville. Uh, regular season game at Heinz Field. And he looked at all of us and said, well, you know what, maybe I don't have it anymore. That's what I'm talking about. This wasn't that. This was never that. He legitimately made up his mind to come into this camp and into this fold with the cleanest, healthiest attitude, not only about the team, not only about the construction and the chemistry of that team, but also about himself and his role within that team. That he was going to be honest with himself. That's what we saw. He was going to be honest with himself, and then in turn, to whatever degree he needs to be, honest with people like me and others who cover the team. So when he didn't connect on deep passes, he would say, I'm I'm missing, I'm overshooting it. I'm throwing too hard, throwing too far. When he wasn't uh, making reads on short plays, when he wasn't mixing up run and pass, when he wasn't getting the right combinations, he'd put that on himself. Not obsessively, not every time. That's what made it sincere. And now, now, when things are going well, when he's coming off what I felt, Yesterday was his best performance of the season. And I understand it's the Bengals and they didn't have their cornerbacks and all that other stuff. I I don't care. I'm talking about him and his own performance that he could control. I thought that was his best performance of the season. And when you hear him afterward, I asked him about the deep ball to Deontay Johnson. You know which one I'm talking about, the 46-yarder. 
traveled a mile in the air. Heavy wind gusts coming in off the Ohio River. Crazy winds at times. Some rain as well. And that ball was just timed so beautifully. Deontay puts a double move on the dude. Scorches him, heads up the left sideline, and there it comes right down into his hands. Classic Ben. Fantastic. Beautiful. Uh, Just after not having seen that most of the season, it really jumped out all the more. And it's no coincidence, trust me, that after that, Ben starts zip, 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 zipping down the field and trying other plays and succeeding at them because he needs to have that. He's not ever going to be game manager quarterback. He's got to have that swagger to him. Here, just listen to his voice when I asked about that play. Not even necessarily his answer. Listen to his intonation. Ben, I have to ask how good that ball felt that you you threw deep down the left side to Deontay and whether or not that, you know, maybe pumped you up and brought a little more confidence. You know, it's it's we had a good play. Randy had a good play call. Coach Randy, uh, line gave me a little bit of time, just just enough time. It was perfect to, to double move. And uh, when I let it go, I, I didn't really know where it was going to end up because the wind was blowing so much. Um, you know, it, it just kind of those ones that you put some air on it and Deontay did the rest of the work. He ran underneath of it and made a great play. So um, all around, kind of everyone had to contribute to plays like that. He's smiling. He's smiling the whole time. And he's acting. Acting is not the right word. He's behaving. He's showing that he's on an adventure. He's 38 years old. He feels like he has something else to prove. He feels like he's got another Super Bowl in him. He feels like he's got the supporting cast around him on offense, but especially on defense, to win a championship, to win a third championship and really cement his place in the annals of the greatest quarterbacks who ever played the game. And this is his ride. He's the one taking the Steelers on this ride. And if you're a kid on this team, if you're a Chase Claypool, or even we forget how young Juju Smith-Schuster is and he's the oldest of the wide receivers, or you're anybody on this team, including the grizzled vets of Marquise Pouncey or whatever, and you know Ben is into this, man. He is all the way in. That, that is leadership. When we come back, AFC North. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Welcome back. About to date myself on this reference here, but that's okay. We don't keep secrets around here. I used to deliver newspapers. 
so right off the bat, that's a dated reference. I used to deliver the Pittsburgh Press, which is a really dated reference. And when I did, and this was really the root of my affinity for journalism in general, because I'd get done delivering them, and I'd just sit down, plop somewhere into some grass or on a bench, and read it. I'd read whatever it was that I was taking to people's homes. One of my favorite practices back then, and this was after I read real articles and so forth, was to open the sports section to the agate page. And for those of you who don't know what agate is, it's spelled A-G-A-T-E, and it's purely a journalism term. It's the page with all the stats on it. Stats and schedules and dog racing and horse racing and everything else. And, of course, box scores and standings. And I love to look at the standings. I love to, especially when my team was going well, I just wanted to soak in not only where my team was within the division, but also where it was within the entire league. I wanted to feel like everybody was looking at my favorite team. Well, if this sounds like I'm headed into talking about the Ravens losing last night... (laughs) in Foxborough, (laughs) then consider me busted. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. That's LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. They've been doing that for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, Elwood City. You can learn more about them online at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. If you do that, be sure to tell Larry Kelly, our main man up there, who's really enjoying yesterday's win, by the way, that we sent you. The Ravens lost to the Patriots last night in Foxborough, 23-17. to The game itself doesn't say much about Baltimore or really New England as much as Bill Belichick's boys have struggled, given that it was played in an unbelievable monsoon condition. I'm honestly surprised that there were parts of it where they just continued. I was sure they were going to chase the teams off the field. But the Ravens weren't that good. The Ravens aren't that good. We've been saying that ever since Marshall Yanda retired in the offseason. He was such a big, big part of what they did when they went 14-2 and last year. If you think about it, they showed the league, to their credit, something that nobody else was doing. This multi-pronged rushing attack built on a running quarterback in Lamar Jackson who could also throw and keep you completely off balance. The unstoppable offense, one of their assistant coaches called it. And, you know, it was right up until they ran into the Steelers, who even though the Steelers were down to their second and third string quarterbacks, the Steelers were right in the games with them because they figured it out. They figured out how to stop it. Mike Vrabel saw what the Steelers did, and the Titans went and stopped it immediately in the first round of playoffs. And ever since then, other teams have done the same thing. They've isolated Lamar. They've made sure that he can't do damage, and they've forced the Ravens to throw the ball. 
which they can't really do all that well, at either end of it, the passing or the catching. Poof, there they go. Standings, Steelers are 9-0. and Ravens are 6-3. and Browns are also 6-3. and Phoniest six-win team in all of football, and I say that with all due respect to the Raiders also having six wins. The Steelers are up three games in the AFC North. Process that. We're a game past the halfway mark in the regular season, and the Steelers are up three games in the standings on the rest of the division. And I might add that it's not even that simple because they have now beaten each of their three fellow AFC North teams once, so they have a head-to-head marker against them as well. That doesn't mean they can slack off. It doesn't mean they can, you know, take Jacksonville lightly, as I'd mentioned earlier. It sure doesn't mean they can take Baltimore lightly the week after that. But they're in a really, really, really good position. The only other team in the AFC that has less than three losses is Kansas City with just the one. Chiefs are 8-1. and one. Are the Chiefs better than the Steelers? Sure they are. They're the champions. Until you're not the champions, you're the better team. And all they did since last season, I think, was get better with the drafting of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Have they looked vulnerable at times this year? Sure. Have they looked great at times this year? Oh, yeah. Anybody who saw them uh, beat up on Baltimore early on knows what I'm talking about. They still have that in them, and they still have, in my eyes, the best quarterback, the best player in football in Patrick Mahomes. Are they beatable, though? Sure. Sure. Look at the standings. Just go find standings. If they're online, if they're on your phone, laptop, desktop, whatever it is, find a newspaper if you can even pull that off. Look at the standings today. Have some fun with it. Your team, your football team, is 9 and bleeping oh this morning. That is a special thing. This franchise has been around for 88 years. This franchise has done amazing things. It's arguably the most successful franchise in league history. But they've never done this until now. Enjoy it along the way. Not everything has to be about the angst. Thanks so much for listening to this. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.